Greetings! You're listening to the audio version of Up the Waterfall. Check out the video version to see us and everything we talk about by visiting youtube.com slash Xanaland. Thanks for listening! Launch control, LV. Go ahead. All video recorders off. Roger. SPO, turn off your video recorders and focus OSB camera to monitor spacecraft umbilical. Roger. OSB, do you read? Roger. Welcome, friends, to episode 11 of Up the Waterfall podcast. Yes. With yes. Susanna and Scott. Hello. And Christian on the side. <laughs> uh, making sure we all sound good, which hopefully we do. We thank you for joining us. And this week, you don't have to pre-watch anything to get here. We're going to be discussing the history of Space Mountain. We'll try to anyway. And by we, I mean Scott, because <laughs> I don't know anything about it. My rides on Space Mountain possibly could be counted on two hands. I'm not sure. That's I'd have not to. the case. The one at Disneyland you've been on many, many times. I guess. But I did not ride Space Mountain until I was, pause for dramatic effect, 31 Ooh. years wow. old. <laughs> I think I rode first on my seventh birthday. Yeah, I don't, I <laughs> was never a roller coaster person and my family were not real roller coaster people. People, My mother would tell the story of going on with my brother in one of our trips in the 80s. And back then, as I'm sure you'll get into the history of, uh, the seats were such that you were kind of like, Straddle style. Yeah. So she, I guess, was holding onto his arms and put giant <laughs> holes into his arms with her fingernails because Oops. she was so scared. She's not a roller coaster person at all. So I just assumed I was also not a roller coaster person. I finally went on Big Thunder Mountain with my dad when I was maybe Geo's age, like 10 or 11. And I liked it. It was good. And That's I've fun. been on California Screaming with you. I didn't do that until With varied then. results. Well, yes. I liked it at <laughs> first, and now I'm getting too old, I think, and my equilibrium does not enjoy that sort of thing. I'm not sure how I actually got you on that three <clears throat> separate times with each of those I, times. I do got. like it. It's yeah, fun. It's just exactly. the after effects now. Yes. But I can still do Space Mountain. Anything without loops, I seem to be okay with. Well, you can do some of the Space Mountains then. Yeah. There is one that does have loops. <laughs> we'll get into um, that. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that's pretty much my history of it. I didn't ride it until I was here with a friend who came to visit from Texas, and we rode together, and uh, I didn't die, so that was good. Very few people do. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. Yeah. So As I hope uh, we'll come to learn. So, yeah. Okay, well, let me uh, just <laughs> dive in, and please uh, feel free to... Pipe in any, any time. I will share some oohs and ahs along the way. Yes. Well, as you uh, probably all know, uh, the first roller coaster that Disney ever made was the Matterhorn, which was in 1959. That's when it opened, and it was it uh, it was very successful, a lot of fun, um, and Walt loved it. Wasn't and that the first like? It was molded. the first tubular, tubular steel roller coaster in the world. Yeah, so that was pretty. Yeah, it was uh, because everything before that was all wood. Hmm. So, oh. yeah. 
So that was the first time uh, Aero Development um, helped with that. That was the, the company that they, Walt hired to build uh, the Matterhorn. So, yeah. But uh, after the success of that, he, you know, he never wanted to rest on his laurels. He wanted more. He wanted bigger, higher, and faster. So, you know, and he had a lot of uh, space programs going on in the Tomorrowland section of his Walt Disney Presents show. Mm. So uh, he thought, why not space? Some sort of a space thing. And so in 1964 and right around there, he uh, got to work with uh, John Hench, his, one of his best Imagineers, on the development of that and actually at that time called it Spaceport. Mm. And actually, uh, that is kind of this drawing right here on the cover of John Hench's Designing Disney book was that first drawing that he drew of the Space Mountain. If you were to take a close look at it, you would see that there's actually parts of the track that actually come out of the top, kind of like uh, they did in Matterhorn, just going in and out of the mountain with a lot of weird spires and that kind of thing. You can so. see this in the Top of the World Lounge, I oh, believe, right. can't you? Um, like a more finished version of so. that original concept. I can't remember what... We haven't been there in a while, but I'm pretty sure that's there. <laughs> I know the, the <laughs> prominent one there is of the monarchs. Yes. But, but yeah, most likely that that is up there. So anyway, um, that was a, f a really great idea. Unfortunately, technology didn't quite uh, wasn't quite up to what they wanted at that time. They were very busy with the, uh, the World's Fair exhibits. And, uh, but they really wanted to put that in, in Disneyland um, because Walt had an idea for a new Tomorrowland that was to open in 1967, which was the Tomorrowland that I grew up with, where it introduced the People Mover and uh, at that point the Carousel Progress mm. that they had brought over from the World's Fair. And it was to be the, the world on the move. And that's when they had, you know, where in one place you could see the submarine voyages the, the Skyway Buckets, the People Mover m Moving, uh, Monorail, and Kinetic even... Energy. Yeah, and, and also the turning of that, um, the uh, Carousel Progress and the Autopia Cars, and so basically just tons of movement. Mm. And uh, so Walt wanted Space Mountain to be part of that, but as I said, technology didn't quite catch up to that, and so they had to go without. Um... But that was a great Tomorrowland. If you ever get a chance to uh, take a look at the history of that, I recommend it. Uh, but anyway, so they had that idea, and they kind of had to shelve it and maybe do it within a second round of that. But then, of course, they got to uh, opening Disney World. And the Tomorrowland then, eh, it was, you know, that and they always had that problem with all of the Tomorrowlands that they opened. It was kind of the world of today or... Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't, there were not a lot of attractions that opened then. In fact, on opening day, there were only um, the Autopia, or the Grand Prix Raceway, and the Skyway to Fantasyland. Ah, yes. And then quickly, they you know they added the, the Flight to the Moon and the If You Had Wings, but still there wasn't a lot. It wasn't until they brought Carousel of Progress from Disneyland over, and then also um, when they opened uh, the People Mover and Space Mountain in 1975. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I think I have some facts about that. Uh, so when that opened, that was actually the, the first computer-controlled thrill ride. 
in the entire world, um, which they actually used computers kind of for like a zone system to make sure that each car was in its own zone and couldn't uh, uh, share a zone with anyone else because that could lead to crashes. But then and it also, was dark. That's right. It was the first <laughs> roller coaster in perpetual darkness, which was, you know, kind of odd at the time. Um, very mysterious. Yeah, you couldn't um, see where you were going. You couldn't see the track. Exactly. And actually, that was one of the reasons why they wanted to have those uh, little bits of coasters coming out of the top is to, they kind of wondered, could we really get away with having a roller coaster completely in the dark where any guest going in who doesn't know where they wouldn't be able to see what they're getting into. Mm. So they had that idea, and they actually kind of scrapped it pretty early on. In fact, actually, Marty Scholar even had the idea to put, like, little dummy cars with little dummy people on the top of those just to kind of get an idea. But that uh, didn't quite uh, fit to scale. So they scrapped that idea, and I think that's probably for the best. I, th I think the idea of it going in and out was probably best in just the, the uh, design drawings and but the Space Mountain as it is, where it doesn't do that, is great. Um, they also had like little spikes and things on the exterior of the um, of the mountain, which actually um, they called uh, John Hinch called satelloids, which wasn't a word that existed, but you know, imaginary as <laughs> an idea of yes. being able to do that. And you can kind of see that in the Walt Disney World version. There's um, some extra rings that's not quite at the top mm -hmm. and also little spikes that come yeah. up here and there and those are left over from that original design um, but anyway they also had intended to have four tracks four different uh, roller coaster tracks <coughs> going through there and you know I think they were very eager uh, very um, they had ideas that just didn't quite with the technology uh, they actually did design an actual coaster that had four tracks where the all of the tracks kind of interspersed and kind of went in and out yep. uh, with each other and they were able to fit that as a model and then they took that uh, the exterior model that they did and they put it in there and they just couldn't quite make it fit so <laughs> but uh, but with Walt Disney World they did have the blessing of size um, the Tomorrowland there did, uh, as opposed to the one at Disneyland. So that one, they were able to make a much bigger space mountain. And actually, that one, oh golly, it is 300 feet in diameter at the base of it. And it actually kind of even sunk it into the ground 15 feet below the ground. And then it goes 183 feet above the ground. Wow. I know there's some varying statistics that kind of put it anywhere between 175 to 183 feet, but it's like that. Hmm. And um, they also, in order to have the interior of the Space Mountain be flat on the inside walls, they had the, the beams that would uh, form, be able to support that structure. They put those on the outside, ah. which you can see kind yeah. of that ribbed thing that actually in each one of those beams and there's 72 of them in total are 117 feet long and they each weigh 74 tons and they vary in width from I think uh, four feet at the top to 13 feet at the bottom hmm. so wow Who pretty knew? big <laughs> but uh, because of that with that very unique structure that has that uh, on the outside which we can now see very lit very nicely in the dark yes. uh, at nighttime 
uh, it is it enabled it to have a smooth wall um, on the inside which then they could project stars from and actually that is a very unique thing because I wanted to talk <laughs> to you a little bit about that um, in order to have a roller coaster in the dark but also to the point where you can still see some things and not have it be completely dark yeah they developed actually it was um, if I could find that it was Yale Gracie who uh, designed designed a thing for the 1964-65 Carousel of Progress it used to be at the Carousel of Progress at the end of each scene that the lights would go down and he, um, he kind of developed a, like a pixie dust projector that blocks out the scene changes and uh, so it, it kind of looked like a little pixie dust hmm. and then the the carousel would rotate hmm. uh, until you got to the next scene and um, and I actually personally remember that when I grew up at Disneyland wow. in the America Sings, and they did that there too. And it was just a very unique way because you could see things, but you couldn't quite see the shape of them. Mm. It was just kind of uh, like, a, as I said, like pixie dust. Hmm. And they actually use that now in American Adventure at the at the scene that um, that go that leads right into the World War II scene. And they do that in order to so that you cannot see that they're dropping that that soldier down mm -hmm. from the from the rafters into the it's the, Rosie the Riveter. Um, is it? Yeah. I thought it was. Uh, oh, you're right. It is. It is the <laughs> Rosie the Riveter. It's the soldier. I mean, it's on, not Rosie. He's but, on yeah. top of the uh, on the submarine that, that that she's working on. Um, and then of course the that um, the 1930s kind of roadside mm. thing also uh, rises up. And so you're actually not able to see that. And actually, it starts with a, a ticker tape parade for oh, okay. Charles Lindbergh yeah. after he flew um, across the Atlantic Ocean from New York to Paris. That it's kind of, they started with that uh, ticker tape parade that led into the uh, kind of the depression. And you could hear some radio broadcasts about the attack on Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. And it was with that, that, pix that pixie dust thing that young Gracie uh, designed, they use that there as well as in Space Mountain. And so that's the thing that, that allows you to see things in Space Mountain, but not quite make out what they are. Mm. So, you, you know, you can see that something... It gives you um, gives the idea of being able to kind of race through there, but without really knowing which way you're going and all of that, yeah. which is actually a very unique thing. Unless and you're riding it during not so scary. Oh my gosh! In or with darkness. your or with your <laughs> eyes closed, which I don't recommend. <laughs> That's true. Unless you memorized the track, which actually took me a very long time. I know. Time to I don't do. know how. I can't. I sort of almost did the one in California have that memorized but then i think i've lost it if again it's been too long <laughs> for some reason uh, the one in california i actually went a the very longest time without memorizing that track which really made it fun and extra special because <laughs> you didn't know which way it was going to but then i think i wrote it too many times <laughs> and now i know <laughs> mm -hmm. but anyway that's actually a very unique thing that the kind of tied uh, america sings the carousel of progress the american adventure to uh to space mountain those Imagineers always coming up with something good. That's what right. I think up next? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Probably something with screens. Actually, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Actually, I'll get back into that later. <laughs> okay. But uh, so the one at Disney World, as I mentioned, it opened with two tracks. 
the alpha side and the omega side, which uh, I think that lasted all the way through maybe 1993 when FedEx came in um, as the sponsor. But anyway, it opened with RCA as the sponsor. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. I've heard tell. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, do you remember that that fun little uh, thing at the entrance? No, because the, I never... No, no, at the entrance, even outside. That, the giant pylon that they had outside the entrance with the oh, with Space Mountain car. Yeah, I do remember that. With four astronauts in there. I think it had like two adult astronauts and two little kid yeah. astronauts. I thought you meant the thing on the... Oh, I'll get to that, too. But anyway, <laughs> that was a very neat thing uh, that had the RCA logo, mm-hmm. and that was just a very neat thing, because actually it showed the actual car, the Space Mountain car, that, that um, was actually one of the actual cars. The real ones? Wow. Not, they didn't, like, change it out during, because that would take too long. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy person. But anyway, they kept that also uh, when FedEx came around, and I'm not sure how long that was around. Um, but that was a really neat thing. And so actually, when you went in, when RCA was the um, the sponsor, the very first thing that you saw was Nipper the dog. Do you remember Nipper? I, I guess I didn't know his name was Nipper. Yeah, that's that fun dog kind of with his, what was he at, the phonograph? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I did know his name yeah. was that. Yeah, Nipper. But he was in a little spaceship, and I it rotated. And so that was always fun, because... Christian's showing me a thing. That's what I was just looking up anyway. Oh, oh no, there there's is. Nipper. Okay. Yeah, I, I have no memory of that, because oh, was that goodness. gone by, like, 2007? Uh, that was actually gone... I no, I remember that being... <coughs> that, w- that lasted all the way until FedEx came. And to be the replacement sponsor in 1993, there were some things on the interiors that did get um, uh, taken away in 1985 when they did a refurb. But anyway, uh, once you went in there, they had those fun little. Um, it, w- it actually existed so that you could go underneath the railroad track, and so there was a little ramp down, and they had some fun little windows with stars and things. But originally, they actually had um, displays of RCA products in there um and then on the ramp up they had more of that and then in the little zigzag portion right after that that took you to the main queue um they had fun little displays of kind of like it showed um in these weird convex windows um some like asteroids or you could see like a little uh, thing in space being repaired by spacemen I always wondered about that because I've never, you know, looked up old videos or anything like that, but I didn't go on it until 2007, and those windows... Yeah, those ones actually were maintained quite a, um, until quite recently, and I think some of them might even still be there. Hmm. Because I think I've only ever seen, like, you know, stars. Some of them are still Yes. Hmm. Like, there's one at the end where it actually shows... I'm always shows, rushing through, I guess. Um, yeah, and that's the, that's the unfortunate part about that. A lot of people rush through that. They don't take a, a look-see. But there's one where actually it shows the uh, some people kind of racing around in one of the actual space cars, oh, uh, really? space mountain cars. Yeah, I mean it's it's smaller version of course. <laughs> it's like a little model <laughs> version, but uh, you know Not they they come scale. racing around in, in hmm. a couple times. Uh, 
and then um, that got up to the to the main load area. And that actually, if you think about it, was also a very unique thing because they could have put the load right there at the front, but instead they put the giant cone right there and they had all of the guests go all the way through the bottom of it, all the way to the very back side of the cone. Mm. I was uh, reading about that. To where the load is, which is a, <clears throat> really a unique thing. Um, just it gave them the amount of space to essentially uh, hawk their products <laughs> and have a fun pre-show and a post-show to uh, to send people in via foot and then out via a motorized walkway or the, the Goodyear um, moving walkway. But anyway, oh, the, yes. uh, the fun uh, roller coaster ride itself was uh, they actually had unique um, cars that they opened with, they had, um, they were similar to the Matterhorn bobsleds <coughs> in that it had uh, two, two capsules with two seats each and two people could fit in each seat, straddle style. Which is That's really crazy. a weird thing. If because you think the Matterhorn about it now, now isn't that. Correct, yeah. So I never now, experienced that in either Yeah, thing now they think. have it so that everyone has their own seat. Yeah. So this way you could fit eight, but a lot of times, you know, either larger individuals or people didn't have anybody to, to be with <laughs> would have their own seat. And so it varied between four guests to eight guests mm. per launch. And then they would, um, they would time it so that heavier, uh, you know, ones that had eight f guests, um, they had to allow a little bit more time between the one in front of them that might go slower because something that had eight guests would go faster. Hmm. Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that w they did change that, um, the, the seating style when they got new cars, um, I believe sometime in the early 90s. And then it went, as, as you said, to the, to the style that um, Matterhorn now has, that has two cars with three seats each, and each person has their own seat. Mm. So you can fit six per launch, but they're able to get uh, the cars yeah. in there and, and launch <laughs> them at a pretty quick clip. So I do prefer the Disneyland cars yes. as well, and just because you can sit next to someone and it's much easier to get in and out of, especially if you have like a backpack or something with you. It's <laughs> kind of like insane. Yes, because <laughs> uh, Disneyland had uh, less space to work with, they actually had a much smaller uh, footprint. And so their space mountain is actually only 200 feet in diameter, and it's a lot lower. It's only it only reaches mm. 117 feet above the ground. It is buried hmm. 17 feet below the ground, but it's still a pretty small thing. So they could only fit one track, but the track itself is about 10% longer than oh, the ones at Disneyland. Okay. And because they put those the cars that you mentioned, where it's two cars with three rows each and two people sitting side by side so you can fit 12 guests in there every time and uh so that they're the ca they were able to keep the capacity up um and actually match the one at disney uh, disney world that even had two tracks yeah. so even with just one track they were able to match that <coughs> capacity because of that uh, seating style which yeah i actually did prefer that too um but let me uh, give you a few more fun facts about the Walt Disney World version before I get to Disneyland. And that's just that when they did open it on January 15th, 1975, the uh, RCA chairman, uh, Robert Sarnoff, 
and uh, then Disney CEO Don Tatum were there, and they actually had a 2,000-piece band. 2,000? 2,000-piece band. If you think about the opening of Disney World, they have 1,776 trombones, quote-unquote, uh, kind of <clears throat> yeah. due to the music band, which was 76 trombones. But they actually had a 1,776-foot, sorry, <laughs> piece band at the opening of Disney World, but they actually had 2,000. Uh, for the opening of Space Mountain and the People Mover, and there if you can see actually pictures of them where they're lined on the People Mover track and all on the bottom. They had mm-hmm. red, white, and blue fireworks, and they released fifty thousand red, white, and blue balloons. Those poor turtles. Do. Yeah, I <laughs> wonder how many turtles and birds uh, suffered as a result of that because we didn't know better back then. That's true of a lot of things. But anyway, uh, the first person to ride it was Colonel James Irwin from the Apollo 15 mission. Whoa. So they actually got an actual space guy to do that. And he liked it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I do have some... uh, So they got to... uh, Right after that one opened, it was very successful. And they realized at Disneyland, they um, didn't have any... Uh, thrill attractions. So hmm. they needed one Ponto stat. Uh, so they went ahead and even though they tried to get it in f- for the 1967 expansion of Disneyland, of, of that Tomorrowland, uh, they didn't add that one until 1977. Ooh. Shortly after, uh, just a couple years after the one at Disney World opened. And as I mentioned, it was a lot smaller. Um, but if you think about it, uh, that's right when Star Wars came out. And so a lot of people were all hyped up on that kind of thing. And, actually, and so the idea of hyperspace and mm-hmm. interstellar travel was a lot a bigger deal. And so they actually used the story elements of hyperspace there, where it's a little mm. different on, at Disney World. And um, they did not open with a sponsor. They actually kind of created the uh, Disneyland Aeronautical Space Agency, kind of like NASA, but a Disney version NASA. of that. NASA. <laughs> It was kind of like a fictional thing. But um, uh, for its opening, they actually had the Mercury 7 astronauts, uh, the, six, the six surviving members of that, plus Gus Grissom's uh, widow, was there. And they were at the opening. And they all said it was just like the real thing, just like an actual <laughs> space launch, which wow. I don't know about that. I guess we're all astronauts then. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, and actually they used... Um, um, Gordo Cooper in the uh, the um, in the safety video out there, mm. so which was a very new, unique thing, and they actually uh, used him later in the development of Epcot. Uh-huh. So there you go. And uh, but in 2003, they realized, hmm, this uh, we're having uh, some real problems with this thing, and we need to kind of replace the whole thing. Uh-oh. And so, actually, I do remember this. They actually shut down Space Mountain, and kind of like uh, a sh- where you build a ship in a bottle, instead of taking the whole top off, they actually punched a hole in the back, and they removed every bit of track. Wow. They And they removed everything. They even kind of sunk it a little bit farther down into the ground. Hmm. So they able to, and then they rebuilt it From the piece inside. by piece just through the hole without having to uh, take off the top of that thing. 
And we, is it true that they used actual butter for they, the new rails? The, it was so smooth that it felt like each of the rails was made out of little pats of butter or butter sticks. Because that was one of the coolest things about that. And I actually was there for the, uh, the, the preview of that ride. I, and it, by the way, it closed for over two years. Wow. From, I think, uh, May of 2003 all, all the way to July of 2005. Hmm. Uh, for, right, for actually for Disneyland's uh, 50th anniversary. Two years without a Space Mountain. Can you imagine? No. A lot of people I mean, were I very can. upset about that. Because <laughs> I went 31 years yeah. without one. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Disney World can never get away with that for some reason. I mean... They should. I if, think they, they could. If they need something to You got to do what you got to do. People exactly. need to... I mean, look at Hollywood Studios is a perfect example of... I agree. <laughs> it had like I, nothing I for a long they time. I think they kind of use that excuse as why... Uh, they don't fix the Yeti, for example, because then Expedition Everest would be down for that amount of time. But well, I think you got to do episode, what you got to do. <laughs> because I think that would uh, that's not the reason why they're not closing it down. That's a good point. <laughs> we, won't, okay, we, we won't get into that just yet. But yeah. anyway, um, so guests were pretty upset that it was down for that long, but they were equally thrilled when it came back because it was better than ever. And they actually in, um, were able to install uh, audio as well into the cars. So before that, in 2003, was there no soundtrack? No soundtrack. So the 2003 was when the Dick Dale... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was written by Michael Giacchino. No, there's one. He did the one that's there now. Oh. There was the Dick Dale, like, surfing guitar one before that. Okay. I do remember that. And I remember they kind of used that same riff, if you will, in a, in a different uh, restyled way. Okay. I, <laughs> that was not in your that. research? I knew mm-hmm. something that you didn't know? There you go. Podcast <laughs> over. I mean, <laughs> no, no. let me look but, that up uh, while you keep talking. So... Because they added audio to the cars, it made them um, a lot heavier, um, and so they actually had to redesign the cars in order. And the new track had to be able to support the weight of these uh, heavier cars. So that's actually why they sunk it gra- uh, a little deeper into the ground as well. Uh, and the audio, as well as the smoothness of the of, of the ride, was very very popular. You uh, finding anything there? Uh, you can keep talking. I'll let you know. I will do I... my best. I do remember that. And actually, i got to tell you one thing. Yes. This is a thing that I really remember from the opening of Disneyland. Um, if you think about where the where the line takes you now, where you actually kind of go off to the left-hand side of, um, I guess it's the... They had Captain EO in there, but now they have the... Uh, the Path of Star Wars or something like that. Star Wars Path of the Jedi. Path of the Jedi. There you go. Um, and then I think they added that little fast pass area. That actually used to be a restaurant up in there called the Space Place. That I actually, that's where I always got my burgers back when I was a kid. But they, that's actually now where they uh, have the entry of into the queue. But it didn't used to be that way. They actually had escalators out the front uh, from that s- that platform where guests are, out into the area that's kind of like where they have that little spinning ball 
or that giant spinning ball that's on water. Mm. And it was a just really cool entry. I have heard of with that. With a pair, and they actually have those escalators still at the Tokyo Disneyland version. Wow. Where the escalators come right down. And, uh, you know, you enter the escalator right there, and that takes you up to that second platform. And back then, they didn't have that uh, theater where Captain Neo and, and what? The Path of the Jedi. Yes, Star Wars, Path of the Jedi. They didn't team have effort. the little building that had that theater. They actually had an open stage um, theater where a lot of um, shows were um, mm. took place. And did you find something? I did. I can give you official. I mean, this is, you know, Wikipedia, Please. so take that <laughs> as you will with a grain I of salt. I should. I'll look there. Um, it was Dick Dale until 2005. Okay. So that was done in 1996. Oh, wow. Um, Aaron Richard and Eddie Soto. Eddie Soto, sure. I actually, okay. Uh, wanted it to be like a sci-fi horror music and surf music. Uh, they wanted to fuse those two iconic musical forms from the 60s. So it was well, kind of go. based off the uh, Carnival of the Animals by uh-huh. Saint-Saëns. Yes. Camille Saint-Saëns. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, Dick Dale was brought into the Disney Imagineering recording studio to play his famous surf guitar riffs for yes. this section of music. Um, and then in 2005, it was replaced by the Michael Giacchino okay. synchronized to the track. Well, there so. you go. Okay, so they actually had sound. I actually do remember that they had sound. It seemed Maybe like... Maybe it wasn't in the cars back then? No, it, it, just it like... definitely was in the cars. Okay. They didn't have it any other way at Disneyland. Hmm. So I guess... That was not the reason that they <laughs> that they closed it. It was definitely due to the track, but um, they definitely had um, audio much earlier. Mm. And I seem to remember that they they did have audio um, a lot longer. And when I saw in my research that it wasn't 2005, I was like, really? I thought I remembered it a little bit longer, but okay. Mm. I guess I should have looked a little farther. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so they had the Michael Giacchino uh, one. That opened when the when the new one opened in 2005 after a two-year absence. But yeah, they did have that fun Dick Dale kind of surfing music, and they they have added that track a lot of, on a lot of the Disneyland and Walt Disney World um, official soundtracks. Yes, yes, official soundtracks. That's how I first heard it. Yes, and I liked it, but I liked the Michael Giacchino one too. And that's actually also on the 50th anniversary of Disneyland uh, that six CD set, which is awesome. By the way. I recommend that one. So anyway, uh, I cannot remember what I was talking about before we uh, went to that. Oh, I was talking about those fun escalators. Oh, yeah. That went up there. Ah. So they took the ones down (laughs) at Disneyland, which I finally remember. But they do have them still in Tokyo. So that's good. And actually, I like that... um, that new setup that they have, which is no longer, it's not new anymore, but it, <laughs> it's still semi new to me. Yeah, and where you kind of go up that left hand side. Although, if you want to run and get fast passes, paper fast passes, it's still quite a haul to get That's there. True. But I really like that area because even though the people mover is down, they still have the tracks up. And that area right there is, has a lot of the old retro look to that. To that um, 1967 uh, New Disneyland. And Corn Chat. Oh my gosh, that's right. (laughs) 
I forgot about that. Hey, so here's the thing. If you were to actually uh, wait in the, not not fast pass, but if you were to wait in the... The, the standby, that, yeah, the regular standby. queue. In the area right when you finally enter the actual mountain, they have the best uh, audio there. And they have that also at Disney World in, in, in parts of the queue where they have com chat. Yes. Which... <laughs> There's a story behind the corn <laughs> chat. Yeah. If, yeah. Anyway. I'll explain. Okay. It's a quick story. Go we ahead, had ahead. someone gave us many CDs back when we were still getting music off CDs and iTunes allowed us to do that. Uh, and it was a massive, like, I don't know, five or more set of original Disneyland audio. <laughs> and one of the track listings was... I guess mistyped as corn <laughs> chat. Command receiver checks are complete. You can print out your initial conditions. LV, flight safety. Go ahead. Verify number one. SPF, this is LV. Go, LV. Turn on your port recorder for spacecraft function. Roger. Recorders are off. And I, being a Disneyland newbie, had no idea what it was to begin with. What So I just thought, like, I, I don't know why this is called Corn Chat, but okay. And it would just be like, you know, the people talking back and forth about... Yeah, like from Mission Control, yeah. talking to the you know astronauts or, or people in the other space stations. And it wasn't until we were both <laughs> flying to Disneyland together in 2013, I think. Could have been 20... Yeah, it must have been 2013. Um, I think it was 2012. I don't know. Anyway, we were like D. both <laughs> listening to that at the same time. And then I was like, hey, corn chat. Why do they call it corn chat? And that's <laughs> what he explained. Like, no, it's supposed to be com chat. And I was like, oh. But the the other cool thing about com chat was when I finally discovered, you know, the old Disneyland tracks. Because there was a time when you just did not have access right. to that stuff. And so the people who finally mined it somehow, uh, whether it be from the Internet or I don't know how they got it. But when that stuff finally started coming out in maybe about 2001 to 2005, right around that age, that's when I started kind of reliving my childhood by hearing these fun things. And the ComChat especially was one that really took me back to my childhood and my days as a seven-year-old riding Disneyland or, or riding a Space Mountain for like the, my first time. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, even though all it is is literally just, as I said, mission control talking to you know people, and it's it's in a way that you know it's kind of like background stuff. We'll have to see if we can find some. But um, it really kind of took me back. So I really like that they still have that there, and there are actually p uh, parts in the Space Mountain queue at uh, Disney World that have that too. Hmm. I'm not sure if they still do, because you know they're always changing things. This is true. But anyway. Um, so that's a good one. But anyway, uh, one of the cool things about that one at Disneyland is they also had the people mover that went through Space Mountain as well. So um, after it went through the Star Tours or Adventure Through Inner Space queue, and then it went into uh, Mickey Traders, 
or that, that one gift shop, it then went into Space Mountain. And where you could, and actually it, it did a kind of like a half semicircle above the uh, the guest queue where you could see out into hmm. the, the mountain. You could see there was so much stuff going on uh, with uh, lights and asteroids and things being projected on the sides. So it was not easy to tell what was an actual spaceship versus mm-hmm. uh, one of those projections, which was very, uh, to me, fun. <laughs> And made it like very mysterious. Yeah. And it, the same can be said um, with the queue, um, as it kind of did a zigzag pattern where it went deeper and deeper. Um, there are a couple of places that actually looked out into the mountain as well from the queue. Hmm. And it got darker, and then finally it turned around, uh, turned a corner into that load area that had that awesome spaceship. Mm. So very cool. Yes. And they actually duplicated that the Disneyland version of Space Mountain in both Tokyo Disneyland and Hong Kong. The one at Tokyo is such an exact replica of where the queue goes um, where in the same locations and also has a spaceship, although spaceships a, l- a lot more sleeker and, and, uh, and fun looking. Mm. Um, the one in Hong Kong, the queue pretty much doesn't do anything. It goes into a room has some back and forth, and hmm. then it goes to the load. There is not much theme in there. It would not have made the best cues list. No, not at all. Uh, I was last there in <laughs> 2011, so maybe they've changed it. <coughs> I don't know. But uh, Space right. Mountain actually Excuse is one me. of the few attractions that I have actually ridden five different iterations of it around mm. the world. So that's fun. <laughs> Lucky you. Yes. So anyway... Um, a couple of other things. So when Paris opened in 1992, um, it did not open with the Space Mountain there. Um, it actually took a little, a little, a couple of years before that opened. But their Tomorrowland is not a Tomorrowland at all. It's, it's actually Discoveryland. Discoveryland, which is kind of based off of the writings of Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, and that kind of thing. But uh, for the Space Mountain, they actually took the idea from Jules Verne's book, From the Earth to the Moon, mm-hmm. which you may remember from Horizons. Yes. That little one scene. But they actually, ha- in, in Jules Verne's book, they actually used an actual cannon to, to propel uh, the spaceship to the moon. Um, it's, it's eyeball for some reason. <laughs> but anyway, so they took that idea of having the cannon and they actually put it there. And there's a lot of golds and, and very steampunk themed and, mm-hmm. and, and things. And, and that cannon is actually called the Columbiad mm. from the book. And the, the roller coaster car kind of goes up and it stops on the side of the mountain in the cannon. And then there's a thing where the little par- part of the cannon uh, kind of kicks back and then projects guests in a launch up the side of the mountain. Mm. And it has a bunch of smoke effects and things like that to make it seem like an actual cannon, just like from that book. And so it goes up the side of the mountain, and then it dips into the mountain from way up there. And that ride is a lot crazier and a lot uh, more wild. Because they're inside, they have fun uh, little asteroids and things that you kind of uh, avoid and there are as I've mentioned loops in there. multiple three if oh I'm not mistaken a couple of which are corkscrews at the end 
but in the the new iteration that they have, there's really awesome lighting where when you go through the corkscrew that it makes it seem it's very disorienting. This is not good news for me. <laughs> well, maybe not, but when we go there, I will insist that you write it Jeez. once. Just to get okay, an idea. Okay, I'll just it. be laying down in You'll just be laying down, but you will, recovering. Have, you will have um, enc- encountered it at least. But anyway, so that did open. They actually had to uh, shut it down and kind of work on some story elements, and they reopened it with Space Mountain 2. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole to-do with that. And I think they've even worked on it uh, lately s- since when they've um, kind of worked on a lot of their rides. But the one in, so the one in Paris is very different than all the other ones and that one of course was worked on by Tony Baxter and Tim Delaney um, great Imagineers especially Tony we are (laughs) huge fans (laughs) he's a good guy but that one uh, the one in Paris that one also has onboard audio and it has a walkway as part of the queue that goes into the mountain where you can see it kind of goes through the mountain in such a way that you can actually see the ride mm. from from in there. Is Which, it still in darkness? Yes, in darkness. Um, I mean, they have there. the unique lights yeah. that I've mentioned before. But mm. it's a really interesting part of the queue. And actually, you had a name for it called, if you will, because it's in French. La Voix Stellaire. Yes. Which I think means, what did I say that meant? The Starway. The Starway. Even though that may not be what that... That might not be an exact mm, translation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, that, for the most part, is a lot of um, what I have on Space Mountain. Is I that know just part one and then now you have well, all these Well, I do <laughs> have a couple other um, <laughs> things that I've just now realized. Um, the one in Disneyland, they have added... Um, f- they've since added fun elements to that. Including, um, you know, they've actually called, they put Star Wars elements into it and called it Hyperspace Mountain. And what they have there is a, a unique thing with the the way that the, the roller coaster goes. It a lot of times approaches one of the interior walls. And so they're able to project things onto that wall via um, projectors. Um, and so that's actually where they came up with... Um, Help me out with the name of it, the, the scary Oh, the uh, Ghost Galaxy? Ghost Galaxy, thank you, Woo! yes. Ghost Galaxy! Which is a lot of fun. But I was it's afraid to ride that. It's a little frightening. Well, it's not really. I mean... But when I went on it the first time, because I'm kind of a scaredy cat, I was afraid. Yes, well, I mean, first off, the initial lift that goes up to the very top of the mountain, um, you know, there's a... Since you can see the interior side of the mountain there... They project a thing there mm. that kind of, you know, it's a really spooky thing. And then as the coaster goes, you know, farther, you know, where it's always kind of gliding down, but it's always approaching the side of a wall and they're able to project a yeah. thing there. And they're able to do that in a, so that so there's tons like of projections. Getting yeah, so they're able to essentially put a show in there. And they've done that with the Ghost Galaxy as well as the Hyperspace Mountain with the Star Wars elements. It doesn't work as well at Walt Disney World because it's not often like where the track approaches the side of a wall. Mm. And so they're not really able to make the projections 
there as much. But in 2009, um, my buddy Alex was actually um, a, a main part of the, the project uh, that redesigned the Walt Disney World Space Mountain. And one of the major things that they did is they actually they filled in the little holes because you could actually see from the queue in the load area, you could see up into the mountain and you could see all the, all the hmm. cars whizzing by. But they actually closed those out. And because of that, that actually um, made it a lot darker because there was always kind of light pollution coming from the load area. What into year there. was that? That was 2009. I think no, it finally opened in November 2009. Hmm, I guess I saw it before then, then, but I don't really remember too much. <laughs> it was like a one-time thing. Yes. But anyway, go ahead. Um, but So they were able to add audio, but they couldn't put it onto the actual cars. Right. Because... Um, they didn't want to do the thing that they did at Disneyland where it took two years mm-hmm. to kind of redo the entire um, track. So what they did is they put uh, speakers throughout the throughout the ride, whereas you're approaching, like maybe a turn, it had a fun effect that you would hear. Stereophonic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think they use that at... No, that, that, that yeah, is stereophonic here. Right. is yeah. I remember that the little the poster, poster that yeah. they had. Yes, that's right. The stereophonic <laughs> uh, is it called stereophonic sound? Yes, or, okay, I believe yeah. so. So they were able to kind of add sound that way, and it's actually a, a really fun way to have done that um, without having to have onboard audio. And they've actually done that well. And in actually recent years, in the um, for the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, they have quite literally turned off every lighting element in its entirety. Yeah. So that it is in 100% complete darkness. And they've added some weird rock music as well, which is very I don't odd. remember the sounds at all. Yeah. Uh, like, we, I believe you, but I really don't remember. No, I, yeah. we've done I it the do. last two years. It's a little Christian off-putting. Christian and I wrote it this year. I, didn't. I like... Th- when they have some lights so that you can kind of see what's going on. Um, but I, with no lights, I, I yeah, wasn't, was a little... I wasn't a fan two years ago when we did it, you and I, but okay. then when Christian and I did it this year, I was kind of okay with it, I guess. But, <laughs> I mean, to me, every time I ride the one here, I just wish I was riding the one in Disneyland. Yeah. So I'm kind of spoiled by that now. Yeah, I mean... I think the one at Disneyland is forever my favorite. And I do prefer that in its basic format, yes. not hyperspace I or agree with that. I Ghost think, Galaxy. Yeah, the, the one without all of that, I think, is my favorite version. I, I you know, it's the one I grew up with um, when, I, when I was there at its opening in 1977. Um, but the, the new one where they reopened it after a two-year absence where they made steels literally of butter. <laughs> butter smooth. Mm-hmm. Ah, that is the best. Um, and so they've they've had really cool lighting in there as well. And um, I really like that. And uh, of course, at the end of each of these space mountains, you go into that part where you re-enter Earth's atmosphere where they have that weird red tunnel. Mm. That Actually, they had that at Disney World. They used to have that at Disneyland. They've since replaced that with kind of like... Yes. A weird starry effect where um, you can see yourself kind yeah, of coming out right. of hyperspace, if mm-hmm. you will, um, and going back into 
reality or not reality but um, into our own existence so mm-hmm. that is fun so um, do you have any uh, any fun memories of uh, Space Mountain I know that you've said that you haven't <laughs> ridden it shared that all many of them. times um, I mean sorry I'm just now looking at these there are really a lot of yeah I, I should also um, cite some of the sources that I've used a, a lot of of course my memories um, <laughs> growing up but um, a really cool book is this book. This is the uh, Jason Sorrell's book, The Disney Mountains, Imagineering at Its Peak, which you know has an entire chapter on every Disney mountain, including Space Mountain. But also, John Hench's book, since he was the lead uh, Imagineer on the original Space Mountain, he, t- he writes a lot about uh, Space Mountain and its theory and all of that in his book, Designing Disney, Imagineering, and the Art of the Show. And on the cover, of course, is the uh, that uh, initial drawing mm-hmm. of Spaceport. And actually, there's even a really cool uh, um, drawing of yeah. Space Mountain on this Disney. This Mountains is the one that well. I think is in the Bay Lake Tower. Okay. Top. Very what's cool. that called? It's not Top of the World. Top of the World. Is it Top of the World? Lounge? I don't know. Confusing it with the show that used I to be. I can't remember the, everything. I think it is Top of the World. They stole that name from. I always, of course, recommend, it's now turning into a little bit of a book review. Well, you know, people enjoy the Epcot books. This is, of course, Walt Disney Imagineering, a behind-the-dreams look at making the magic real. And there is a sequel book, but I kind of got some of the Space Mountain things, and there's a lot of really cool drawings of Space Mountain in there as well. And the weird thing about that book is there's no index. Yeah, kind of. That must drive you crazy. Well, but it, according to the format of the book, where it's just kind of a free for all, mm-hmm. it talks about all the different disciplines of Imagineering. So, is this one of those ones that's written by nobody? Uh, yes. By the Imagineers. By the Imagineers. <laughs> okay. And I got a couple of things also on the really cool, but it needs to be updated. This is the Jeff Curdy book since the world began. A Walt Disney World, the first 25 years. There needs to be a sequel book uh, with the 50th anniversary of Disney World coming. Maybe there Jeff needs, is working I on that. I really hope so, because I know that they've talked about that, and I know that he really wants to do this. Jeff Curdy, if you're listening, please. <laughs> or even the Disney publishers, if you're listening, please get Jeff on this. Yes, these we need two a of sequel our version, main but, listeners. So there's a couple of things in there. And, of course, I even... I did get one fact out of the uh, Disneyland Inside Story by Randy Bright, (laughs) which is that really cool (coughs) Disney book, as well as the online resource Widen Your World, which is just a really cool uh, thing. And actually, that one talked about the post-show, which I actually forgot to talk about. The post-show of Walt Disney World's um, uh, Space Mountain. RCA, the home of future living. I mm. completely forgot about that. So as I mentioned, well, we finished the ride. Now we're getting yeah. Off so now yeah, we, we finally got off. It was We've, all planned. Uh, we made it. <laughs> we made it. And so now we get on that awesome Goodyear speed ramp that sadly doesn't work anymore. You actually have to use your own darn foot power. I think it's, not, it's not even there anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah so you have to walk out of there. Yeah. Which is. It's well, it's straight. It's not very but futuristic not having to use your actual. I don't know why they got rid of that normal sidewalk because that was just a really cool thing just to be able to yeah. relax and kind of let 
Goodyear take you down uh, the home of future living by RCA and they actually had um, a lot of fun um, exhibits there w w an actual home of future living with RCA uh, things when they opened that in 1975 it had all kinds of things um, not just televisions but you know RCA was kind of a communications company that had all, all kinds of things for that and so they had um, like people with computers you know talking remotely with people in the offices or you know being able to have like a baby monitor uh, where you could see uh, the baby yeah. in a different room or being able to talk to a neighbor um, via video there are all kinds of things like that um, and it was a really cool thing and I my first visit to Disney World was in 84 and I do remember that but it was only that one visit where that was um, there. Even though RCA um, kept sponsoring the exhibit all the way until FedEx did in 1993, they took that out in 1985. Hmm. And they changed it to RICA 1, which is mm. kind of the one that I remember. Um, which, you know, they still have the thing, you know, the little areas in the, the same place where you can see them now. Um, those little exhibits where it's just kind of like uh, space living. I only ever saw them on the People Mover. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. The, the initial one, the Home of Future Living, it was developed in such a way where you could see it better from the yeah. People Mover that went through there. Um, and all of the subsequent ones really haven't been designed in any way <laughs> to have the people who can see it from the People Mover have any kind of a yeah, decent view at all. Which is weird. They, you know, they still have that view, but it's not designed for them at all. Mm. You can just kind of see that something's going on there. And so even with Rika One, and then what they have with the FedEx as well, and then what they have now, uh, they had, you know, the things. And then they actually did move uh, Nipper the dog uh, from the entrance, the entry room. They moved him to that uh, the that area as well and you can even now they kind of have like a mechanical dog there that was the original nipper in a different form he's still kicking and of course the 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 end of that was that you could you know they had it so that you could see yourself on tv and so they had cameras pointing at you oh. and they had art you know all different i think like nine different rca tvs and, you know, back when that opened in 1975, that was a really cool I'm and neat sure, thing. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, people just did not see themselves on camera before. And so that was <laughs> that was like the coolest thing. And I think a lot of people even called it like the best part of that. <laughs> Who put me in that little box? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and they actually made it so that if you didn't want to ride the ride, you could right. actually uh, go through the queue and then come out that way. Yeah, I wish that my parents had known that. Yeah, or Instead told me of that, having and to I would have done that. Outside uh, for your uh, party to get through, you mm -hmm. could have enjoyed all of that home of future living stuff. I probably just or rode Rekka the people one. mover instead. Yeah, the people <laughs> mover was fun too. So anyway. So that kind of wraps up uh, my little uh, Space Mountain thing. A classic attraction. I do like it. It's one of my favorites. Um, back when you know when I started going to Disneyland in the seventies, Tomorrowland was my jam. That was my place. <laughs> that was the coolest thing. With you know that, as I mentioned, that the 
the uh, World on the Move. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite iteration of any kind of Tomorrowland, and, and Space Mountain had just opened up in 1977 there. Uh, that was my thing. So, uh, And then when I started coming to Disney World in the 80s and 90s, I very much enjoyed it too. So, Still a must-do for you if you can. It, yeah, I always enjoy it. And uh, I wish you would write it more with me. But uh, I just... The one here, I'm always like, nah, it's okay. I'll wait till we get back to Disneyland. <laughs> Sorry, that's just it's yeah. It's definitely not. I just not love Disney the Disneyland one so much. It's my favorite. That and Indiana Jones are like my favorite Disneyland. The real rides, good. anyway. Well, but yeah, okay. I mean, that was some very interesting backstories. Some of which I had no clue about. So yeah, the cool for... as I mentioned, the cool thing was that little starry thing that uh, Yale Gracie had come up with. Yeah, now I want to go I, to American Adventure, which took me to America Sings because that's the first place I remembered that, hmm. and you know it was just one of those things. And if you may remember when I talked about the kind of when we discovered all of those audio tracks. When I rediscovered America Sings yes. in its entirely entirety, know, that was a whole thing too, because that <laughs> took me back. Cause Future episode. Yes. Well. But anyway, so that is that. You have some memories of Space Mountain in any park. We'd love to hear them. Yeah. Tell us your favorite Space Mountain stories. From there are, I'm sure, tons of Space Mountain stories that yeah. people have. How old were you when you first rode? Was it younger than 31? <laughs> Was it older than seven? <laughs> um, if so, call this number now. <laughs> Press two. No. Like, did it frighten you? The just being in the dark and not knowing where all of yeah, the different yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like riding were, it as a child versus an adult yeah, is a whole different thing. I'm sure the first time I didn't know. Surely, right? I was get, like, if I I like to raise my hands in the coaster, but like that was I was scared to do that because <laughs> I thought. I would lose my fingers. Uh, or you would fall out. That's right. But I've since wisened up. <laughs> yeah, now that's one of my favorite things, riding either <laughs> either park is seeing what you do on the on-ride photo because it's always something new and different every time. I at least remain in the vehicle at all times. Most of the time. Most of the time. Most of them are not broken. <laughs> That's right. No, they're not at all. There are some where you're really hanging out there, though. It looks that way, but it's not real. Okay. It's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Well, thank you for yeah. listening. And yes. if you're watching us on YouTube and you could see all of the books, thanks for watching. Yes, and I, I did cite uh, all my sources there, so there's uh, some yes. places for you to be able to go and check out more information. As I mentioned, the, the books that I have, there's a lot of really cool uh, designs and maybe we can include those. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, you have some book blog posts coming up that oh, we that's will right. be sharing as well. So like and subscribe wherever right. you're watching and listening. That really helps us get the word out. We're yes. you know still a new podcast trying to make our way in the world. <laughs> we appreciate everyone who's listening and commenting and tell your friends. That's and, right. Uh, Here's to you. the future. Yes. Which is the actually the RCA song. Oh. Uh, that. I don't remember. Sung by Nipper. <laughs> yes, Nipper. No, it was not With sung by Nipper, but it was Here's to the Future. 
Anyway, no here's to the future. All Thank right. you. <laughs> Thanks for coming up the waterfall with That's us. Right. And we'll see you next week. Up the waterfall. <laughs> That is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's only part of it. We got a big climatic scene. But how could you top it? Well, we set the place on fire. And we have our audience trapped down in this flaming city. And how can they get out then? Well, now you got into this mess by going down a waterfall. Now, how would you suppose we get them out of there? By going up the waterfall. That's right. Anything's possible in Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs>